Good Monday morning, it's Matt Hodell with the Bastard of Art Podcast coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We're not live. Not really, no. I say Semi-live. We're it just, live. It sounds fun, it rolls off the yeah. tongue, like, like, like KHTR FM 103 St. Louis. I just, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I guess I could get a new intro. Personality. Or we could get, like, we could pay someone to in, intro terrible. us, intro, introduce idea. us. Yeah. Yeah, you could pay somebody if you want to. Well, I am here with episode number 52 with Chris Boyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're here. That's for all the SoundCloud rappers out there. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to Jesus and my iMac uh, 95. Yeah, what's up? (laughs) Yeah. Retro. 90, they didn't have IMAX in 95. Why did I say that? Good? Uh, they had Windows 95. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sound Blaster. Air Jordan 4s. Yeah. What's up? Either way. Uh, what's the haps, Chris? Uh, well, I don't know. Not A lot is happening. Nothing's happening. What's happening? We're going to talk about stuff. It's freaking hot out. It is hot out. It was really nice out yesterday, but now it is definitely just fucking hot. I hate it. I hate it too. It was, I hate the fact. I hate the Midwest because we skip spring and fall. Yeah, I was talking with a client about that today, and that's just it is what it is. Yeah, it is it what is, it is. Yeah, they, there was a couple days of spring, and then it's summer, and then every once in a while you'll get a few accidental days of spring mixed in that just only give you hope. And ticks. Yeah, there's a lot of bugs. A lot of ticks in this part of the world. It's just a baseball game. My son had a baseball game, and it was just bugs everywhere. I hate humidity. That's what I really humidity hate. Humidity sucks. Yeah. We should just get rid of all of the rivers. Yeah. I don't think you can do that. I don't now. think it'll work. I do think it's interesting, though, how humans have over-engineered rivers to minimize flooding and accidentally created more flooding. That's they, pretty that's they, ironic. Yeah. They put up all the, uh, the, what are they called, dikes? The, uh, the, the, the hills? Yeah. What the fuck are those things called? Dams? Dams. Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, same thing. The man. things that breach. Yeah, yeah, they try to like contain the river, and yeah. all it does is make it more forceful down the yeah down, down the river. Way. Yeah. yeah, we overthink shit too much. Yeah, engineering at its finest. We are not really that much smarter than nature. <laughs> it always finds a way around. I think I think it's kind of ironic. I heard the other day that uh, solar. I don't know how true this is, but if it's true, it's kind of another ironic funny. I heard that the, those solar wind farms uh-huh. are like killing birds by the hundreds. No, I would not be surprised by that. I mean, it would make sense. They're like giant metal <laughs> turbines. They're like slow-moving bats. In a, in a huge field, <laughs> you know? Birds are just flying through, like going like, yes, I made it. And then as they think that, their head gets chopped off by the next one. Well, it's like the ultimate optical uh, optical course. The ultimate uh, um, optical course. Why did I say Obstacle. That? Obstacle course. Yeah. Optical obstacle course. Optical illusion. Yeah. I mean, I bet they're daring each other. To there probably like fly is some through. optics issue there. Like as you're flying through and trying to figure out the trigonometry behind your flight path through these giant blades. So bad. I bet they don't even feel it. Hopefully, that that's the spin. That's a, that should be the corporate spin. Is that well, we may be killing all these animals, but they they're die. not in vain. <laughs> <laughs> They're really happy when they die. Quick. They're super happy. All right. So, so to recap in our in our podcast series that me and Chris have been working on, we uh, just uh, to kind of review our first podcast that we did together, we talked about imitation. 
Um, the second podcast we did innovation. Yep. And the third podcast we started talking about invention. Um, each one of those had a, its own characteristics, characteristics, good and bad. Um, and you can go back and listen to listen to those. Um, and in this one, we're going to kind of jump off and we're going to talk about you're finally learning how to be an artist. You're you're learning, but through imitation, how to socially build skills by by learning what problem solving other people have done. Then we went to innovation when. The social learning uh, by imitating became futile. You had to kind of put your personality into it and become innovative. And then we went on to inventive and the pros and cons of being inventive. But then Chris keeps bringing up the point of like, yeah, but we need to feed our families. Right. And we have to have a monetary gain off of some of this. And we're not necessarily artists who are, you know, smoking long clove cigarettes with berets and waiting for people to praise us on how awesome we are. We got to go and sell ourselves. As glamorous as that sounds. Glamorous. Yeah. I, I hate clove cigarettes. I used to love them when I was like 18. You know, that is the vaping of the 90s. Yeah, that's true. It is right. Now, the ultimate would be. It's not as bad as vaping. Vaping's worse. Sorry if you vape. I can't stand it. I hate it. I, I, hate, I hate when people just assume they can vape. It's just uh, yeah, it's like an entitlement thing. Don't get me started. Yeah, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're drawing stuff. You're making good pictures. You learned how to draw. You got a couple years under your belt, and now people like what you do. But they're not exactly saying, "Okay, this is ready-made, perfect. I'm going to buy it, put it on my wall. I'm going to buy it, use it with my business." I'm, you know. You, you, you might be a sign painter, you might be a photographer, you might be an illustrator, or in our case, we're tattoo artists, so almost 99.999% of our life is doing commission work. So I think we have, between the two of us, many, many, many wonderful years sitting down with clients and going through the beginning, I think, which is really frustrating talking to a new client, uh, or being new artists talking to clients, because I don't think we even believed in ourselves enough to sell ourselves uh, sure. in the beginning. Um, but I think we've got it down a little bit. And there's basically five, just to keep it simple, there's five basic steps. Uh, and I'm just going to fly through them really quick. And then we'll, we'll touch on them a little bit more. But there's five basic steps that you need to be thinking about when you're talking to someone who is asking you for work. They're commissioning you to use your skills and art as, as an artist to, um, to commission some type of artwork. Uh, the first one would be you want to inform your new potential client on how your process works. Uh, you also, the second thing, you wanna uh, understand that your your client, your potential client has no idea what they want. I mean, they, they have these vague ideas of that they want something, but they don't know exactly what they want. So you have to keep that in mind. The third is that um, you have to be detailed. You have to get on the same page and speak the same language as your potential client. Uh, fourth, don't move forward until you have an agreement. Get that. And whether it's a true contract or something verbal, um, just once you once you get this far, make sure you guys are both in agreement. Uh, and then five, it's important to have an approve, approval process, whether it's three stages, like a layout sketch and a final, or if you are really weird and you have like 22 stages <laughs> that you think it works better, but have some type of, and what, that, what that's going to do is it's going to keep you bumping to the left and bumping to the right as you go down this um, road to, to, to accomplish whatever it is they want. Because it sucks. You don't want to draw 50 hours worth of yeah. stuff and then have them be like, I wasn't really 
Yeah, you don't want to do too much work, and you don't want to make somebody wait too long that they decide that they don't want to get the work either, or anything that's going to like make that relationship more like stumble. I guess you don't want to like stumble around and go. Oh, what it should do you be mean? easy. Well, it, well, it should, should be efficient easy. at least. Efficient. You know I mean? Yeah, it's not always easy. I don't think, but I think it should feel efficient. I think these steps would help a little bit make it the illusion that you're effortlessly creating, yeah. you know? Well, I think it's like the same way that we talked about, you know, we, we talked about in, in some of the last episodes about how sometimes having structure is something that can help us problem solve and help us get to the end of a, of a task that's before us. And I think it's the same way in a client relationship. So I think, you know, these five things might be or whether it's these five things or your 25 things or whatever. It's just a way to be consistent in the way that you're dealing with people. And it kind of like, there's nothing really consistent about relationships with people. So this helps that be a little... Because we all know the cringy. <laughs> yeah. Like you, like I, when you oh. see another artist and they're cr- you're just like, dude. Yeah. And they let the client do all the talking. And you're yeah. just like, would you just speak up? Like, so what do you want? Well, yeah. Why? This is like this is like a like a moderator of that you know relationship because if you can just like say hey these are we're going to talk about five things today that are going to help us figure out making you the design that you want that some they want to listen to that you know what I mean that's a pretty quick and easy way to say hey we're going to talk about these five things and then we're going to figure out how to accomplish what you want me to accomplish for you I think that's so good. let's just uh, let's pretend maybe that we're doing a mural someone's got a pizza business. Uh-huh. Like you do, you do drawings. I'd be uh, like, I'm not doing. That. <laughs> and then they throw ten grand in your pocket, and, and I'm like, definitely doing. I can yeah. draw pizza. Yeah. Uh, All right. I so, love painting murals. I have so much so, to offer the mural world. To be completely stereotypical, Mr. Papadopoulos comes over one day and says, "I own a pizza joint," and you're just like, "Okay, awesome." And he wants yeah. you to do a mural on the inside of his pizza joint. Now, the first thing that we talked about was number one: inform him on how your process works. Right. So. This could be um, just kind of a quick like, hey man, and here's how I kind of do it. You know, just be laid back. You don't have to be super, you know, dorky about yeah. it. But run him through from beginning to end what you're going to be doing. You're going to be doing a layout. You're not going to be painting directly on the wall. You're going to do some series of sketches. In the past, yeah. you found that this works better. I they need to work me- at night. Whatever your whatever your special needs that make yeah. you work better are. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to give your client some information about yourself and information about the process that they're hiring you to do because there's a good chance a lot of times whether you know for us in tattooing a lot of times people that are coming to us they may have a tattoo or two or five but they may not know the way we work or it might be somebody who doesn't have any tattoos and they don't have any idea how it works so they only know what they've seen on tv or their friend said or this or that so i think it like it kind of breaks the ice to inform them a little bit about it and make it seem like you're willing to be helpful. You want them to understand what's about to happen. Yeah. And I think that's the same way in other types of artwork as well. You know what I mean? Like that everybody wants to be a part of the experience of it. And they part that starts with like a little bit of just like basic information. And I think it's fine to say it even if they know it already because it just is like a way to get the ball rolling. Yeah, right? so. treat them like they don't treat them like this is all new to them. Even if you yeah. th- don't assume they know anything. Not like in a patronizing way though. Like, you know, like tre- like in a way that like you're just trying to like make sure they're informed about what's about to happen. Like I think what we're basically talking about in these five steps is setting up, you know, expectations 
and then figuring out ways to meet those expectations on both sides. You know, well, what did I say? We're we're setting yourself up for success. That's what we said. <laughs> yeah. I don't know of a better way to put it. All right. So once you've kind of ran through that, and you're like, "Look, man, I, I like to listen to heavy metal music. I require." You know, two Mountain Dews before I start, whatever, whatever your weird, uh, yeah. eccentric, you know, process is. Um, you need to understand uh, that they probably don't know what they want. So it's not like a situation where they're like, I want a mural, I need a pizza. It's going to be four feet big. Behind that, it's going to be a little boy saying, This is great. And then behind, they're not going to do it in detail. They don't know how a good layout works. They don't know how to make something. They don't know how to make something eye-catching. If they did, they wouldn't have a pizza business. They'd be doing murals for a living. So you've got to meet them in the middle. You've got to define some some of the dumbest things. When they say, "I want something medium size," you have to say, "What is medium sized to you?" Break down all this lingo that we use and they're imitating or mimicking, sure. and make sure that you guys know exactly what you're t- what each other is talking about. Yeah, and I think you also like part of that is just kind of like. In that first little bit, when you inform the client, you allow yourself to set yourself up to then talk about that intent because you've kind of, like I was saying before, you've broken that ice a little bit because I think there's different types of people and some people are going to be like the type that you're talking about that they actually don't really know what they want. But there's other people that think they know what they want. Oh, these are dangerous people. And that's, I think that's an important distinction. Like... They are, you know, uh, unfortunately informed about things that may or may not be true to your process or your craft. They just think they know about it. And I think that's a, that's a tough one because they want to tell you what they want like they are an expert, like they are a sign painter. They do murals for a living even though they're hiring you to do it. Yeah, those are, those are remind me of the type of people that once it's all done, they like to say, I designed this myself and I, right. I commissioned him to do it. And then there are the people... And let, like, them, let them. Let them think they're yeah, designing who it cares? themselves. Let them get it all out. Right. Don't interrupt them. The more you interrupt that person, the longer it's going to take to right. get it out. And then I think there is like, there's also the, you know, the third type of client or something is the person that actually does kind of know what they want. They just don't want to do it themselves. And that's okay too. You know what I mean? But I think that's like part of this process of feeling out your client and start trying to like start that relationship is just understanding like where are they coming from. And I think that's what you mean by saying like what's their intent. Like where – maybe that's the easier way to say like where is my client coming from. Yeah. Like and then the further step of that is once we understand where they're actually coming from, not just where they think they're coming from in the case of client number two – is then saying, well, this is where we're actually going to Yeah, that go. takes some skill. Like, not listening to what they say, but also listening to what they don't say. Sure. You know? Uh, I, I find it helpful a lot of times when I'm doing the number two part, like where I'm understanding um, what, what they're trying to get at. I usually have them make a list of what they absolutely do not want. Because yeah. that list, they usually have it's defined a lot easier. Yeah. way ahead of time. They already know what they don't yeah. want. And from that list, you can already... Kind of go, well, I was going to take that route, but they don't want clouds. They don't want this. Yeah. They don't want that. That's they don't really, want big letters. I think whatever. it's a really good point because I think people always know what they don't like. Yeah. They don't always know what they like. And sometimes they want you to tell them what they should like. I think that's... Oh. I think that's just weird people. I mean, not weird people. I think that's a weird thing about people. We all want to be told what to like. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking about buying that cooler this weekend. Yeah. You know, I want... I want, I want 
I want to know that I bought the right cooler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did I make the right choice? I mean, I, I, sure. Google, I Google stuff in the store like re- comparative reviews between these uh, yeah, two companies. The same thing, yeah. Yeah. Am I making the right decision? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, and I mean, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, societal pressure and like just like that coolness. Am I, am I cool? Am I doing the right thing? No pun intended with your cooler. <laughs> you are cool, man. Cooler. And I think yeah. you're going to be really, literally, your food's going to be cold as well. I think you made a good choice. That said, I think that there's the anxiety that like in most of these situations, like they're spending a decent amount of money. They're committing like money, time, in our, in our field, pain. You know, like yeah. um, they're they're willfully committing these things to you. So there there's some anxiety that's healthy even, you know, attached to that. And I think that's something to be respectful of, at least, you know, be aware of and say, hey, like, I know that my client is giving me something, too. And they're going to give you money, which is what we're talking about. This thing. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Money. So the easier you make this. The, the better yeah. your chances of completing the, the, yeah. the, this uh, this contract. I mean, the goal is you want them to want to give you money, not just be obligated to. Yeah, you. They, you shouldn't. They, like, I just hate that feeling. You know, that 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 you're making it such a burden for them to come talk to you. Like, you should you should never feel that way. Yeah. So we talked about uh, one, inform how your process worked. We went into two, yeah, about understanding they probably have no idea what they want, and we actually started dipping into number three, which was be detailed, get on the same page. You know, and Chris has done a really good job of, of kind of going into that. But at the end of the day, we're still just talking. We don't really have any ta- anything completely tangible yet yeah. um, to kind of like nitpick apart. We're just, well, you know, what are you thinking? You know, and our brains are running and we usually have our go-tos um, yeah. of what, what, how we want to attack, attack this new project. Yeah, and I think, you know, Matt started it out by saying... Like, let's get on the same page. Like, when he was talking about the example in the pizza shop, it's like, what is, what is the size medium? Like, what Matt's talking about there is terminology. Like, make sure we're going to speak the same language, or at least that whatever language we're going to use, it actually means the same thing. So, you know, the, the, the most important part of being detailed or being thorough is to get your terminology straight so that I don't say medium and you think large and I'm thinking a raspberry red with a blueberry background and a yeah. tanger like when people talk in fruits I'm like yeah. what do you sometimes what are you saying fruit. why are you using fruit you know yeah you can kind of tell that maybe you're a smoothie they, they, person you just painted your living room didn't you yeah. yeah like you know but yeah so make sure that you when they say tangerine you know what they mean by tangerine cool but, some people think coral is pink. Some think it's red. Some think it's blue. Yeah, that's like the worst color. That's the, in the worst world. color name. Yeah, make it coral. I just said I actually just said the word coral the other day, incorrectly. I used it in the incorrect context because I was like, oh, I really like that coral color. I said it to my wife, and my wife was like looking at me. She's like, "There's nothing that's coral colored here." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's not coral. It just reminds me of the ocean. So that's coral, right?" It reminds me of Walking Dead. Yeah. Hey, coral. <laughs> yeah. I think well, another thing is just. Um, you know, kind of getting a direction to move forward in at that point. I think that's going to lead into the next step um, of the approval process, but just trying to like direct the conversation towards the goal so that you guys can get like a clear, you know, kind of game plan of like, this is what we're after. This is what we're hoping to accomplish on both sides. I concur. So number four. All right. Number four. Sorry, I was messing with our computer system here. All right. Number four says, do not move forward until you have an agreement. 
This is where you nail down the timeline. This is where you nail down the price. This is where you nail down the deposit. This is where the financials come into play. I don't lead with the chin. Don't think that number four should be number one. Mm. Don't come in and be like, to talk to me, you better have 500 bucks in your pocket or whatever your magical number is. Yeah. You know, don't lead with the chin. That's you called be being inviting. a dickhead. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah, that's rule number 59. Don't be <laughs> a dickhead. Um, don't lead with the chin. Sell yourself a little bit. Make them feel comfortable. But then once, once you guys are both on the same page and you realize you both like the same sports teams and all that other good stuff... Don't move forward from this point until you have an agreement. Now, there's some situations where there's actually a contract. I've been in those um, where you both sign off and you both know exactly what's expected of each other because it's written down. Um, but uh, sometimes, like with our situation, we just have to say, hey, look, here's my hourly. Here's what I expect. I don't expect to go more than this by 20%. We yeah. should be good. You know, some are easy. Some are like it's 100 bucks. Yeah. Take it or leave it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, have, have let, let them make sure you know that now we're now we're now we're dealing. And also just make sure that both parties are comfortable with the agreement that you landed. So I think as the person who is doing the work, you need to make sure that you price something at what you value your time at, mm. and then make sure that your client also values your time at that rate. In order to, you know, whether that's a flat price or an hourly rate or whatever, it can be anything. It's like if you just say, hey, I'm going to make this logo for you and it's going to be $600. Well, then they don't. Some people like that. You know, some clients might go, that's great. It might take you 30 minutes to make that logo. It might take you 30 hours, you know, and they don't care. But I do think there's a certain like value to just making sure that they understand what they're going to get for what they're going to pay. Right. And that you know what you're going to get for what the work you're going to do. And that's why it's so important, you know, to step even back one to number four about like, what are we really trying to accomplish? Because there's nothing worse than when somebody, everybody wants to know how much something's going to cost. And they, they say, well, how much is this going to cost? And you kind of go, well, I really want to do this. So I really, you know, I wanna... and you throw a number out there and then you actually skip the step where you fig- actually figured out everything that you were going to do. And then you get yourself involved and committed to a way bigger project that isn't worth your time, you know? So yeah, it's really the, important. this is a tricky one. And I, I just have some, some, some loose advice. Number one, get paid what you're worth. Number two, in a world where everything is done in hourly, when you work for McDonald's or something else, um, art is, is the ability to stack your information from a lifelong pursuit to get to the point where something that took you 20 hours in the beginning is going to take you 20 minutes 20 years later. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily about, you got to remind them, it's not about the fact that you pay me $200 to draw something in 20 minutes. It's that you're paying me uh, $200 because it took me 20 years to learn how to draw this in 20 minutes. You know, so sure, make sure yeah. they understand that they're getting your efficiency through professionalism, through experience, you know. Um, and then there's a weird thing that I've been, this, this subject's been coming up a lot. And I really do believe when it comes to getting paid what you're worth, if you have guilt or shame built up in your life, you will give people you don't know a break. You'll be like, oh, well, I felt bad because it was a long wait. Oh, I felt bad. Stop feeling bad. It is yeah. what it is. Get your agreement. Get paid what you're worth. And uh, yeah. it's kind of a weird thing where when you actually do decent prices, everyone takes you a little bit more serious. Yeah, I think you take yourself more seriously too. That's something I noticed personally is that 
when I maybe am taking on a job that I think is particularly tedious or not as interesting to me, not when I, I don't rip somebody off, but when I just price myself what I'm actually worth for that job, it allows me to put a lot more into it. And I, I hate that, but it also just is true. I can't help it. Like I'm going to focus more on a project that I know I'm getting paid the right amount of money for. Yeah, it's going to be in the back. I think it will be in the back of your head. That being said, it is important that once that agreement's done, you put it on the back burner and yeah. do what you do best. You've talked about it already, yeah. so what, you shouldn't have to talk about it anymore. Yeah. You know, like jump off that bridge when you get there. If there is a conflict later on coming from the client, then that's just yeah. that's something else we can and talk about later, to, you know? Yeah, there's, there's always going to be revisions. And like I've done uh, logos and t-shirts and stuff, and I usually give the first three revisions a pass. And the fourth and the fifth, I say, look, if I need to revisit this, it's going to be, you know, X amount of dollars for each change. And uh, I, I did get a good piece of advice a couple of years ago. I don't know if I talked about this with you, Chris, but I, I called a buddy of mine. And I said, man, every time I show this guy his T-shirt logo, he wants to change it. And he goes, dude, that means he's into it. My experience with clients is the more they want to change or the more they want to build on it, that means the more excited they are. Don't, don't take it the wrong way. And so a lot of times having that like built in like, Look, we do another revision. I've got to start charging you. And uh, they're usually okay with it. Sure. Um, but, all right. So, uh, which kind of leads us into um, the approval process, which was number five. This one's tricky. It's kind of weird. You, you don't, you know, in our industry, people have this like fear. And I don't really, I don't even know why I need to bring this up. But some people have a fear that someone's going to take their product and run off and have someone else do it. Yeah. But let's face it, man. If I drew up a set of blueprints for a nice house and you went to the lowest bidder, do you really think that that they're gonna do the same quality job? They're not. So if the person came to you for you and you've gone this far down the road with them, be a little bit trusting. Like they've trusted you, trust them a little bit. Show them some sketches in the process or whatever. My my process is usually I do a layout so I kind of understand the sizing. Uh, I'll do a sketch and that might be four, five, six, seven sketches. Then I start getting some more approvals, and then I'll do the final. Um, and by the time you get to the final, the adjustments are so minimal. I just don't want to get to the final and have huge adjustments where I'm completely moving characters around. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on what medium we're talking about. You know, in our business and tattooing, it's a little bit different because there is just so much. Uh, I mean, there's price shopping probably in every business but there's also uh, a little more anxiety like I was talking about before going into that because it's a permanent decision worn on your client's body that they have to literally live with one way or the other no matter what so sometimes you know to your point people may need to like take a little time with that and then you know other people don't but you know I think it's good to be uh, forthcoming with your client I think if you're in in the situation, like you said, there is a distinction between somebody who has come to you for what you do and somebody who is just coming to you because you're there. Like, I don't let those people, you know, like I I define that as like client or customer. Like client is somebody who is coming to me just for me. Customer is somebody that maybe I'm doing like some smaller work for and they are just as important. They're they're, the work I'm going to do for them. I'm going to focus intently on. But they haven't, they've just come in and like, they want to get a tattoo in my situation. They don't know who I am. They don't even know my name. They just are like, hey, 
This is here. This is a good place. We want to get a tattoo. Now that person can definitely become a client, and I keep that in mind. But that person, they're not going to get to take anything with them in our. I might have the same kind of quick conversation with them, even if I'm doing like a walk-in, what we call a walk-in tattoo. But I'm not going to let them take a picture of anything or whatever because they can like go waste somebody else's time if they want to pay them to do their tattoo. Yeah, it never bothered me uh, too much. It bothers me because the thing of it is, is that. Here's how, I, here's how I think about that. And this might be a side tangent conversation. But here's how I think about that. If they're that kind of jerky yeah. to do something like that, I don't want to sit with them anyway. So, so for me, it's an opportunity for them to go, all right, man, see you later, bro. You know, I just, I, sure. I don't know, it gives me an out. Like, because it really, I, it doesn't take me long. I know it doesn't yeah. take you long, and I'm not trying to change your mind or anything, but no. to do a, a simple sketch, a simple layout sketch, yeah. no one's going to make heads or tails out of it in that side of the process. Now, you're talking about a finished drawing. Um, obviously, if you've done commission work, you don't want to let your finished drawing go if you've put, you know, I, hey, man, I went home and I drew this, and I come right. back, and what the hell. Like, there's, there's, there's definitely a, like, how far down the rabbit yeah. hole do you go with these people? But if it's just a simple sketch, yeah, I don't that's care. whatever. If it's a concept, man, eh, whatever. But you know, just to yeah. be clear, it's like I, I do think it's okay to be protective of your artwork, you know, and it's okay to be like if you've kind of done something on good faith, and then that client doesn't respond in good faith, then don't give it to them because then it's just you've you've devalued yourself just by spending your time and not getting paid it, for it. Yeah, you don't want to give it away completely for free. And that's where you know it, Just, could, I mean, be, it could be a situation where if you if you recognize that from the get, put that in the beginning yeah. agreement. Yeah. You know, look, man. If you, I don't if I don't know where, what we're going with this, like I'll get this far with you. It'll be a hundred dollars for sure. to get this far with our concept. Yeah. And if you want to go farther, we'll apply that hundred dollars towards the finished product. Yeah. It's just a word of advice, like you said before. You know, you said deposit. You know, that's like yeah. take a deposit and just be clear about what that means. Protect yourself. Protect your artwork and give yourself a reason. It's like I don't ever have a problem drawing things multiple times for people. I tell people all the time when they're coming in for a consultation with me or something like, hey, we're going to make an appointment for the tattoo today. You're going to leave your deposit and then I'm going to draw for you and it'll be ready for you when you come in for the tattoo. But if you come in for the tattoo and there's something you're not happy about, we'll either adjust it that day or if time doesn't allow us to do that, like either one of our schedules, we'll just reschedule and I'll redraw it for you. And I think that makes people feel comfortable because ultimately people just want to feel taken care of. They want to feel yeah, like you're yeah. actually listening to them. And I think that's what, you know, it's really easy to get. I mean, I even myself get sidetracked. I'm like, oh, no, I'm worth it. I should do You know, I want to get paid for what I do. But at the end of the day, like, it isn't – most people aren't trying to stiff you. They're not – they want to get the work done by you. They just want to feel like you're paying attention to their needs. And I think going through these five steps, um, you can weed people out. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So – uh, we talked about inform them of how your process works. Yep. Uh, understand that they might not have a complete idea of what they want. Be detailed and get on the same page. Do not move forward until you have an agreement. And then have some type of approval process so that you don't spend too much time on your project only to make major changes later and waste an afternoon of yep. drawing. So, yeah, that's a cool one. Um, set yourself up for success. Yeah, you know, help your workflow. Yeah, make turn turn what you're doing into a monetary gain, and the, and the the 
in, 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 a, in the big bad world, some people have agents that go and sell you. But for the most part, the people that I hope this podcast reaches, you know, this is a lot more lowbrow. You're going to have to be everything. You're going to have to be your agent. You're going to have to be your seller. You're going to have to be the producer. You're going to have to be everything. And so um, hopefully these couple podcasts that me and Chris have put out will help you kind of with your journey and your path of how things are going to um, run smoother or get a better picture or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just about kind of giving you some tools to make sure that you're not getting bummed out about the stuff that's not as that's not the reason you just started doing art or design. <coughs> Excuse me, allergies. But you know, the reason most people got in to doing this wasn't just for the money. It but like we've said before, the reason we're even talking about this now is we want to feed our families, we need to pay our bills, and we're you know, Matt and I are fortunate enough, and many of you are too, to be able to do that. But we want to help you get to a place where you can do that. And this is something that just realistically, whether you think it's cool or not, it's going to help you. Because even if you're a working artist already, this is going to help you avoid a lot of frustration that comes from just really miscommunication sometimes and a lack of expectation between yourself and the client. And if you just get that stuff out of the way, then you can focus on doing what you do best, you know? Yeah, get it out of the way so you can get back to your safety. Yeah. Safety. It's a necessary your, evil. Your, your comfort zone. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to get back to my uh, drawing area. Yeah. I, sometimes I feel like when I'm talking to the client, i got to put on this funny hat and do a little dance with yeah. the cane. You know, and like, sometimes you, you do. You know? Yeah. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. Like, if you want to get paid, then sometimes you got to do work. Yeah. Put your hat Sorry. on. Put your, put, your, put, your, put your smiley face on. Go you know? get them. All right. This has been another episode of the Bastards of Art podcast. Uh, this is Matt Hodell and... Chris Boyle. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, FM Player, something else. Can't remember what it is. Podcast Our, things. Podcast things. things. You look at podcasts on yeah. computers, <laughs> the internet. www.bastardsart.com. <laughs> no, I. Uh, there's give. no I. Uh, yeah. just, just bastards. And you art. can find a little bit more on me at www.matthodellhodeltattoo.com. And Chris, your Instagram is at O Boyle, O H B O Y L E. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.